0: Uh, you know, it, it's it's true. We all have a part to play, and um, that's all that God asks. We don't have to do the whole deal. You don't have to be able to go through some systematic theology of the Bible. Uh, you just have to be willing to uh, step out and share your story and share God's story about redemption. So, um, let's. Uh, would you turn with me to uh, to Luke, uh, rather, Luke chapter nineteen, please? And we're going to read the account of Palm Sunday this morning, but. Uh, before we jump into it, I want to explain just a little bit about the, um, oh, the gravity of, of what's going on in the passage this morning. Um <clears throat> the the writer Luke here goes through and he talks about um, what's going on beforehand. And he makes this, um, he talks about Jesus, Jesus' journey back to Jerusalem. And this is kind of the, the, the climactic part of the story here. Jesus had basically had fled Jerusalem because there was so much pressure there uh, from the Pharisees and the teachers of the law who wanted to kill him and had been plotting to kill, kill him for uh, basically his whole ministry. Um, And then then there was another part where there were people who were around who were ready to crown him king of Israel. And so he kind of had to leave Israel for a time and do his ministry in other places. And then he came here back to Jerusalem. And this is like, this is the this is the last, uh, this is the setup for the conclusion of the gospel right here. And what's happening in Jerusalem, of course, people are, who are, are, are there as he's going on to Jerusalem. This is right after too that Jesus has, has, had raised Lazarus from the dead. And so there was a lot of talk about what he had done. And everybody knew that Lazarus had died and everybody knew that he was alive again. And so this became a, a thorn in the, in the flesh for the Pharisees and the teachers of the law that he had done such a A good miracle, an extraordinary miracle, Um, I didn't know there was another kind, but they're all kind of miraculous, right? But anyway, he had done such a good miracle that they couldn't refute it and they, uh, of course, made him a little panicky that he was becoming so very popular. But anyway, so that's what's happening here as we, as we enter into this passage, um, is that Jesus is journeying back to Jerusalem, and, and just before Jesus goes to heal Lazarus, he's, they go to one of the small kind of suburbs of Jerusalem where, where Lazarus lived, and one of the disciples said, whenever he decided to return there, he said, well, let us go with him that we may die also. They all knew what was coming, is that there has been a plot and they were all, even the disciples were aware of it, which is really pretty amazing because you read a lot of the gospel accounts and the disciples, bless their hearts, are clueless as to what's happening. But they caught on to this, is that there were people who were trying to kill Jesus and they figured, actually one of them said, let's go that we may die also. They all knew something big was going to happen. They all knew something big was going to happen. And Jesus, of course, had prophesied his own death to them, but they didn't really get it. They didn't really understand it until later. But anyway, he rides into Jerusalem and some amazing things happen. People's reaction is amazing to Jesus. They they treat him in a way that they don't treat other people, of course. They treat him like a prophet and they treat him like a king. And uh, we'll talk about that here as as we read the story. So in Luke chapter 19, if you would, starting in verse 28, after Jesus had said this, he went on ahead going up to Jerusalem. As he approached Bethage and Bethany at the hill called the Mount of Olives, he sent two of his disciples, saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you, and as you enter it, you will find a colt tied there, which no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. All right, let me pause there for just a moment. Um, he's there, he's going to Jerusalem and he tells his two of his disciples, "You go ahead of me and you untie a colt. It's a colt donkey. We know from another part of the other other all four gospel accounts has this has these this story in it. We know from other accounts this is a colt donkey. And so he says says to him, "Go and untie the donkey and and bring him to me. And then he says in verse 31, "If anyone asks you why you are untying it, tell him the Lord needs it." All right, now this is kind of an odd thing. Um, there's been some people who think that maybe Jesus knew someone there or whatever. I don't think that's true. I think probably Jesus was basically foretelling what was going to happen. Tell someone, maybe someone who knew of Jesus, that someone who had heard him preach, someone that had seen his healing perhaps, um, uh, knew of Jesus, and whenever they asked him that, that they would tell him, the Lord has need of it. Those who were sent ahead and went and found it just as he had told them, as they were untying the colt, its owners asked them, "Why are you untying it?" They replied, "The Lord needs it." Yeah, that's, simple, that's simple obedience right there. And uh, let's see, what do you say to say? Let's see, the Lord needs it, and so they get the donkey. Uh, they get the donkey colt. So uh, let me say something before we move on past this point. Is this is that Jesus knew and had known for years what was going to happen when he came back to Jerusalem? Okay. I, 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 don't, I want you to know this for certain is that he came back to Jerusalem this day and he came back and, and told these guys to go untie the colt. If the owner finds you, tell him this and here's how you'll find him. And Jesus foretold, prophesied what was going to happen and what they would find. And sure enough, it's what happened, all right? So here, here l- let me apply this to what's going on here. Jesus knew this day that he would, make it, would not make it out of Jerusalem without being killed. He knew what was going to happen. He knew it going into it. That's important for us, of course, to know, is that Jesus all along the way, very willingly laid down his life, and he didn't just do it in one step. He didn't just wake up this one morning. He didn't just wake up in the Garden of Gethsemane and say, yes, I'll give my life for these people. I'll give my life for their, for their sins. He all along the way is preparing the way for him to lay his life down, right? And this is one of the steps. When he goes into Jerusalem, he knows that he'll be killed. He knows it already, and he's known it for years. It's important to know that our Savior loved us and cared for us so much that he not only made the decision once, he followed through with God's plan uh, to, make sac- to make sacrifice for our sin. Yeah? That's important stuff. All right. In verse 35, it says, They brought it to Jesus, threw their cloaks on the colt, and put Jesus on it. As he went along, people spread their cloaks on the road. Now, there are several really fascinating things here that are happening. And in the other other gospel presentations of the story, it's so fascinating. There's so much symbolism here. But let me tell you what's happening. Let me tell you what's going on here. Is that Jesus is presenting himself in a different light than the people see him. Okay? The people are, are anointing him or, or, or presenting him or, or uh, 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 um, uh, 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 what's that word? It slips in my mind. I'm sorry. Uh, honoring him, that's the word, as a king, as the coming Messiah. But they saw him not just as Messiah, but they saw him as the conquering king. And they wanted someone who would come and who would put down the Romans and free Israel from their oppression from the Roman government. All right? And so all the time you see them honoring and blessing Jesus, some of it is because of the miracles that they'd seen and the miracles that he'd done, and they recognize him as the Messiah, but they misunderstood his mission, all right? So here we go. So we see some amazing things about people honoring Jesus as, as king. They, threw, they brought, brought it to Jesus, the, verse 35. They threw their cloaks on the colt and put Jesus on it. As he went along, people spread their cloaks on the road. When he came near the place where the road goes down the Mount of Olives, the whole crowd of disciples began joyfully to praise God in loud voices for all the miracles they had seen. Right? They recognized Jesus as a king or a messiah even perhaps at this point. And they began to say, Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in, the, in heaven and glory in the highest. All right, let's pause there for just a moment. So what's happening here is that Jesus is being honored and praised for being king. And he, we're going to see here in just a moment, is that he accepts it and accepts it fully. But here, there's a very interesting thing that's happening here, is that he is being honored and glorified as a king as they want him. They want him to be the king to conquer and to put down the Roman government who had so terribly oppressed these people, and actually all the people in the known world in those days. They wanted him, him to, to come and to, and to, and to put them down. But his mission wasn't at this point to be the conquering king over the Romans. Uh, he came as a peaceful king. And you can tell it by what he does. He comes in and he doesn't ride a war horse into Jerusalem, he doesn't come bearing a sword, he doesn't come proclaiming death to the Romans. He comes in peace on a donkey colt, and he comes as a humble Messiah that you and I have come to know. The one who was born in a manger, that one is still the, the humble Messiah who comes on a colt donkey, right? Uh, not on some, some incredible steed. He came uh, as a peaceful came, and he, t- he came to do something much bigger and much greater than what they wanted. Yeah? He came to do something much bigger and much greater than he wanted. Um, and let me tell another story here real quick. Back in 1 Kings chapter 1, David sends a message to take Solomon. This is when David is about to pass the kingdom on to Solomon, all right? And he tells him, go get Solomon and put him on a colt, put him on a donkey, and send him down to Nathan to be anointed as king. You see the imagery here. Is that Jesus here was 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 doing something very similar to what David had done with Solomon to have him proclaimed and anointed as king, and Jesus this day would be proclaimed and honored and glorified as king, yeah, and he fully accepted the praise, although they misunderstood what kind of what kind of uh, what kind of king he would be. Praise and or peace in heaven and and glory in the highest. Some of the Pharisees in verse 39, some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to Jesus, teacher, rebuke your disciples. Can I tell you why I choose this passage to preach from almost every Palm Sunday? Because I love this next verse. I love this. He says in verse 40, I tell you, Jesus replied to them. He says, teacher, rebuke your disciples. You see what he's saying? They were saying, tell, they're making you out to be the Messiah. They're, making, they're praising and honoring you as the king of Israel and you're not, so you tell them to be quiet. And he said, I tell you, he replied, if they keep quiet, the stones will cry out. This is an incredible, incredible statement, an incredible thing. You see, it's plain to everyone, and it's even plain to all creation, that Jesus is the king. The people here recognize that Jesus is the king. They misunderstand his mission at this point. But even the rocks will not be silent this day, because this day, on Palm Sunday, there will be praise to Jesus Christ, the King, on this day. In five days, the crowd would turn. In five days, the story would change. In five days, the momentum, the, the feeling of the crowd, the, 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 the praise and the honor would change to chance of crucify Him. But today, there would be praise and honor and glory of the King Jesus Christ. Yeah, I love that. And Jesus said, if these people keep quiet, the rocks will cry out. But this day, the Lord would receive his praise and his glory. Amen. There will be other days when the Lord receives praise and honor and glory. And it's every day in our lives, but there's going to be a day when he receives praise and honor and glory. Uh, And that day, of course, we know will never end, but he will be Uh, He will be honored and praised as King Eternal, the God of gods, the the King of kings, the Lord of lords, and uh, this day, they thought he was the King of Israel, but we know he is the King of all, amen, the King of all, the ruler of all. They spread their garments out before him, making him a a place to walk on as they honored him as the coming king. Let's see, in verse, uh, let's, let's read now, in verse, uh, verse uh, 30, in, in verse 40, I tell you, he replied, if they keep quiet, the stones will cry out. As he approached Jerusalem and saw the city, he wept over it. All right, I'm, I'm not going to get into reading the next passage, but let me tell you what happens here today. Something significant happens this Palm Sunday, right, Th- this, this day that we celebrate Palm Sunday on. This day, Israel was ready to anoint a king, a victorious warrior king to put down the Romans. They did not come to anoint or praise or honor a king who came in peace. Okay? So Israel rejected the Messiah. This is not the one they were looking for. They wanted a king to come in preparation to make war and to put down the Romans. But this Jesus Christ, Jesus came to make peace. And I'm not talking about political peace. I'm not talking about you know, any kind of uh, peace treaties. I'm talking about he came to make peace between God and man. He came to make peace uh, because we had offended God by our sin and, and our, our natural inkling to wander away from him and to, and to not glorify and honor God as we should. And Jesus came as a king, but not the king of war, but the king of peace. And they rejected him over this week. And next week when we celebrate Easter, they'll yell out, instead of saying, blessed be the king, they'll say, crucify him. He was not the king that they were looking for. He wasn't the king that they wanted. It's a funny thing, isn't it, is that oftentimes in our relationship with God, we think he should be doing one thing, and he's doing something else. And so it's easy for us to look at the people of Israel and say, "Oh, foolish, foolish uh, Israel." But isn't it true that in my life and in your life is that we always think God ought to maybe be doing something that He's not, and then somehow in the midst of our confusion, we miss what He's doing? Let me tell you, this day on Palm Somebody, Psalm Palm Sunday, Palm Somebody, what? <laughs> Palm Sunday. Everybody missed it. It says in another, I believe it's in John's account, it says that the disciples saw all this praise and being heaped on Jesus and the cloaks being laid down so that his donkey could walk on. And, and they saw the palm branches and they saw you know, the hosanna, the shouts of save us uh, going out. And it said that they didn't understand what it was all about until after Jesus was glorified. I think that's great. So, so the, the, the Pharisees and the teachers of the law looked at all this and they hated Jesus for his popularity and they were afraid for their positions and they wanted him dead and they wanted him gone. The crowd misunderstood him. They thought that he was a king, a coming king to free them from the Romans and the disciples were kind of baffled, you know, they, they just didn't know what was going on. Nobody got it. Nobody understood what this was all about except for, of course, Jesus Christ who knew all that was coming. Uh, but he came uh, into Jerusalem, and and uh, here's the amazing thing. He came uh, not to set people free, not to set the the Israels free from from the Roman government, but to set them free from their own sins, to cut them off from their own sins, to say, the offending, part of you is done. The part of you that re- rebels against God, the part of you uh, that, 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 uh, that, that wants your own way, the part of you that does your own thing, the part of you that has no praise or honor or glory for God as you should, I'm dealing with that part in his sacrifice. He came to be king, but not the king of Israel, but the king over all. They wanted him to be a conquering king, but he came to be crucified. They wanted him to come with a sword and with a war horse and to slay the Romans, but he came to Jerusalem to be crucified. It was his purpose. This was his mission. It wasn't to be conquering king. It was to be a humble servant who came and gave his life on behalf of you and me and countless others who would follow him. And in the end here, it says in verse 41, as he approached Jerusalem and saw the city, he wept over it. Why did he weep? Because they rejected him for who he was. They couldn't see who he was. They all had in their minds what they wanted in a Messiah, and he wasn't it. And in the rejection, they were judged. And in about A.D. 69 and 70, there would be laid siege on the city where it got so bad. Well, it got real bad. Let's put it that way. All right, anybody know their history? It got really bad. It got so bad that, that, that basically they, they tore uh, the temple down and they, they set it on fire so that they could gather up and, and sweep up all the gold that was inlaid in the bricks. And, and there were people, uh, men, women, child, babies, all killed there, there by the Roman government to put down, uh, to put down the people there. And it, it says basically right here um, that this was judgment upon Israel uh, for, for, for rejecting their Messiah. All right? Okay. I want you to, um, I want to end this way. Is It's very easy for us to look at Israel and, and to say, wow, they rejected their king. He came to them. The Messiah himself came to him, and they rejected him. But let me tell you the, the, the truth is that you and I misunderstand what God's doing all the time. We had done it before we came to God. You remember, you and I had misconceptions. We just didn't understand God before you came to Jesus Christ. True? Uh, I remember thinking that God was up there, and he was ready to punish me at any time. Did, did you grow up that way? Did you think that? Or did you grow up thinking that, that, that you know, God was there as the grantor of wishes? He was like the kind of the make-a-wish foundation for all of us, and, and we just pray what we want, and he's just like the big uh, grandpa in the sky, give you whatever you desire? Um, uh, just not the case. We misunderstand what God's about. And, uh, of course, the great thing on this side of the cross is that we can look back and we can see Jesus' mission was not to conquer but to be crucified. Jesus' mission uh, 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 was to, uh, was to pay the price for our sins. And Jesus' mission was to be a, a, a king of peace to make peace between us and God when we had offended him. Yeah. That was the conquering King. Would you turn with me to one more passage? I didn't give this so you'll, would you to uh, Jennifer, would you please turn to we're going to turn to Colossians chapter 1. Colossians chapter 1 in the, about the last half of that chapter. Colossians chapter 1 in verses 19 and 20. This part has a little subtitle. It says the supremacy of Christ in my Bible. It talks about the supremacy of Christ, but it also talks about his sacrifice. In Colossians chapter 1 verse 19 and 20, it says this, For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, of course, we're talking about Jesus to have all His fullness dwell in Jesus, all the fullness of God dwelled in Jesus Christ, and through Him to reconcile to Himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through His blood shed on a cross. It's an important point: is that the, the people of Israel were looking for a king who would who come, who would come in war, who would put down the Romans. But we have a king who came in peace, and he offered peace to us when he paid our price on the cross. He was crucified on our behalf. He went to Jerusalem to die there so that he could pay the price for our sins and that we could finally, ultimately, once and for all, have peace between us and God because he had dealt with what we could not deal with. He dealt with our sins. He paid the price, you know how the song goes, that we could not pay for us so that we might have peace with God. Yeah, that's the Messiah we know. That's the king who entered Jerusalem that day 2,000 years ago. He came in fully knowing and fully expecting, and his mission was to die there for your behalf and for mine. Amen? And he brought peace between us and God, and now we can know him. And like the song that they sang over, uh, uh, for the uh, offering, and he's torn the veil. He's torn the thing that separated us from God. He's torn apart, and he said now... You have access to God because I've dealt with your sin. All because Jesus rode into Jerusalem 2,000 years ago to be crucified. Would you pray with me, please? Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you that the Lord Jesus Christ um, was honored and glorified that day, even though the, the people must, may have misunderstood uh, what he was doing. But he received his praise as king that day. Uh, like a coronation almost, um, and rightfully so. And Lord God, I pray that you would make us a people who are full of praise and worship and honor for you because of what you did when you marched into Jerusalem uh, very humbly uh, on a donkey colt uh, 2,000 years ago, not coming to, to be kinged, not coming to be a, a leader of the people, not coming to, to show his, uh, his power or his might but to come to be crucified, to come and lay hunt down his life on behalf of people, just like me and just like you. So, Father, we thank you. Thank you for the sacrifice. We thank you, and we worship this coming King. We worship him because we know that next time he comes, he will be that that uh, that King of victory. He will be that King who comes to to receive all that he's uh, all that all the. That, that he's paid for, all that he's bought, all that he's conquered. And Father, we just thank you. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for paying our price on the cross. Thank you for, for coming and knowingly giving your life up to, lay, to turning your life over to the, the hands of, of evil men uh, to be beaten and, and shamed, spat upon, and ultimately crucified. We thank you, Lord, that you didn't withhold even your life from us, even your life from a, a death on the cross, but you gave it all for us at Calvary. So, Father, we thank you. We worship you today. It's in Jesus Christ's great name that we pray. Amen. Amen. Um, All right. Thanks for being here this week. Looking forward to great Easter with y'all next week, and uh, we'll take the Lord's Supper. It'll be a great great time next week. Thanks for being here.